Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Hello, guys. This is uh, Lisa and Chris from Magic Night, podcast about ETs in a row. And we're proud to announce that we have some brand new graphics on the channel. Yes, we do. It's uh, some fantastic new uh, little bit of icons and banners and all that great stuff by the wonderful, magnificent, all wonderfulness of Navtastic. Yes, they're wonderful. Uh, you can uh, commission them via a link that we're going to put in the information of the uh, channel and via the information we're going to attach to every single video from here on out. So you go give them money. They are so good. They've already done a commission for me. That's entirely outside of the realm of the channel's banners. And we're super pleased with the work they did. It's really, really nice. Absolutely delightful. Yeah, to just, you know, for the YouTube version of this, uh, Future Me will put up a little uh, kind of showcase of it, kind of some zooms in and all that kind of stuff. Just look at all the detail, the character sort of stuff. Uh, we actually found them because they were doing Laverne and Shirley fan art. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, they happen to be posting it. Yes, our friend Joy, at Joy, who's also known as Pax had been uh, boosting their art onto our um, feed. And we immediately looked at their work and said, this would be perfect. This would be perfect for our channel. Yeah, we're, we're just absolutely just over the moon for like every stage of watching the process. Um, incredibly professional, the detail with, yes. with working. Because when you commission yes. an artist, there are some that, you know, will just take take the brief and just run with it. And that is totally fine. I'm totally cool with that. But it was really special just to see the amount of care and dedication that they put into this. And it made us feel absolutely secure that we had made the right decision. So I know we're really talking this up, you know, for a couple minutes here, but absolutely. This person's work is great. We're really happy with it. We hope you enjoy the art. We're going to be keeping this for a long time to come. And um, yeah, please go check them out. Give them some support. Give them money. Our advice is give them money. Commission them. I'm going to be commissioning them again for something else. I know exactly what I'm going to, I want from them next. And they've been very accommodating and very kind. Also, if uh, you are someone who loves the, uh, loves these sort of things, look up the Lenny and Squiggy Laura Keats. That's, that's a particularly great piece of theirs. It's adorable. It's adorable. We'll put a link to that in uh, the information. Yarp. Take a look. All right. Anyway, uh, so I guess we'll jump back into the episode here. And thank you so much for the quick listen. And once more, Navtastic, you are fantastic. Yes, you are. Thank you so much for everything. Welcome to the Navnet, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Lisa Fernandes, and I'm Chris Jarwarna. Hello. We're here to review Debutante Ball, directed by Alan Rafkin and written by Paula A. Roth and Judy Pioli. And I bet you get some facts about them, don't you, Chris? I do. So first of all, hi, Terry. It's good to see Judy Pioli back, uh, uh, back writing again. This Terry, she played Terry Buttafuoco uh, earlier in this season in tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. So for Judy, this is her third credit as writer with 11 more to go. So we'll be seeing her for a bit. Um, her future credits include the TV show Valerie, but not Vicky or Roxy. So no telling if Archal Jr. gave her a million dollars or not. Um <laughs> That is a very obscure EGA Mystery Science Theater 3000 reference. If you've seen the episode, you know the joke. Anyway, uh, Paula Roth. So 
So this is, uh, she has six more episodes for her to go. Um, but as mentioned before, she would join the Happy Days writing in the early 80s and then go on to work extensively on Perfect Strangers, again with Judy Pioli, as both a producer and writer. Now, oh. Rafkin, naturally, again, yes. this is season three. Um, so I have, I have a quote from Rafkin this time around. Um, he was interviewed in the late 1990s by Peter Bogdanovich, of all people. And stated the following. Why is it always all about sex and shows like When Pets Attack? What is that about? If it were allowed, I'm sure we would have an execution on television every week. You know, live from Sing Sing. Let's watch two black people die tonight. Not just one, but two people. Now back to you, Bill. Years ago on The Andy Griffith Show, it was more of like a morality play. And these were marvelous to do because you were dealing with stuff you believed in. Now the writing is so thin because there's so many uh, shows, 60 sitcoms, and there aren't even 60 funny people in Los Angeles. That's Alan Rafkin at the end of his days, people. Oh, so. Lord. Oh, that is an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And this is what the episode is about. When the Verve receives an invitation from Lenny to a debutant ball being thrown by the Society of Exiled Royalty, both Laverne and Shelley presume the boys are playing a prank on them. It takes Lenny presenting his royal papers signed by the Duke of Warsaw for Laverne to finally believe that the request is legitimate. With Shirley's encouragement, Laverne agrees to attend the ball on Lenny's arm while wearing clothing from Squiggy's Uncle Elliot's Wax Museum. And both of them instantly make such an uncouth appearance that they're presumed to be illegitimate riffraff by the hoi polloi in charge. Proving the real deal, Lenny needs to present the organizers of the ball with his royal papers. But they're in the basement of the Peaceable, in a safe, and among the balls of wine, Frank's been collecting to create a vintage cellar. Shirley, Frank, and Squiggy go to retrieve them, but find themselves accidentally locked in the basement. Will they escape before Laverne and Lenny find themselves tossed out on the royal keisters? What do you think? I think it's a great episode. I think it was yeah. a lot of fun. I think it was good. Yeah. This, you had been hyping me up on this one for yeah. a while. Um, quite a while since season one, actually. Yeah. It it is adorable. It delivers. Um, I have a note here. I think I stole this note from you. Is that this is ship catnip? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told you that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. accurate. That's very yeah. accurate. Yeah. No, I've I've uh you know I have my ship I have my ships and so I have mm-hmm. I've had my moments where the catnip has been very strong. I've I've played Resident Evil Five twice <laughs> and, um, and so yeah. Now this was this was adorable. There's a lot of wonderful details. The script is fantastic. The dialogue is pretty much perfect throughout. Like yeah. even the lines that don't need to make you laugh they make you feel something and they connect you with the characters it's a very good executed episode um and i love that it i actually kind of like that it begins at night there's something almost dreamlike and fairy tale about it like it's a midnight like a a bedtime story where they're in the middle of eating dinner and and laverne stabbing the chopsticks into the food (laughs) and uh and then uh you know the outfits they come into come in with you know the boys and yeah. let, squiggy with the kazoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's precious. It's delightful. Just yeah. those, those types of details throughout. And, and I like, I like its idea of what really is class. What is nobility? What is, yeah. is it a title? Is it what you are born into? Or is it the type of person you are deep down inside 
and the actions that you do when confronted with humiliation. Yeah. This is one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I'm just going to flat out say this is one of my favorite episodes. No, I would um, never be able to tell that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautifully written, beautifully constructed, um, adorable. I mean, everything about this episode is honestly perfect. Uh, even if, like, the very end where the humiliation stuff happens, it almost doesn't need to. It almost feels like it's tacked on to have Laverne end up soaked in the punch. and then. But then that conversation with Shirley happens, and no, no, it's not. No. And then you get that beautiful button moment. Oh, it's perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect episode. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, I was going to mention, from the very beginning... Uh, Shirley absolutely thinks this is BS. Laverne mm-hmm. thinks this is BS. They get this invitation in the mail, and it's made out of thick paper. Uh, so that so it feels legitimate, but they're like, what kind of royalty do we know? And comes Squiggy with his kazoo, followed up by Lenny, and this little crown, and this cape. And mm-hmm. Thus begins an adorable as heck story. I just... I love the notion of him being 89th in line the throneship of Poland. Yep, just one good plague and he's on the royal throne. One good plague and the kid's a queen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I love that something horrible happened in the Kulikowski line where all the Kosnowskis had to leave Poland. They they left in disgrace and someday they will return the same way. Yep, it's a very (laughs) Lenny thing to say. Yeah, yeah. And he just, the fascinating thing about this is that he is of royal lineage, but he has lived in absolute horrifying poverty. And we're mm-hmm. going to find out how bad the poverty level, how, low, how, how far beneath the poverty level he was as a child. That's going to come mm-hmm. up eventually. Uh, it he me- and his sister, his dad grew up that way. Go ahead. Well, he and his sister, but go ahead. I'm curious how long his family's been in the country at that point, because yeah, you know. that's actually a good question. It's a good question. Uh, it's possible that they were exiled around the time of the Russian Revolution, mm-hmm. which possibly which makes sense if they supported certain people. It would. It's just, but in terms of yeah, I mean, it, and I guess you know the poverty because that I do understand is that emigration when you emigrate to another place you can lose yeah. whatever fortune you had pretty quickly. I mean, to be honest, even my own family, um, the, 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 the Jai Wardenas, the Jai Wardenas of the Breckenridges, I don't know which one, yeah. but, but they, you know, had land that once the British took over, you know, in Sri Lanka, basically were like, nope, that's ours now. And, uh, then when the new government was reinstated, it was like, nope, you got even less now. So, you know, it just, that can happen. But, um. But I was curious, like, if this had been them in exile, like, earlier, like, say, in the yeah. 19th century, perhaps, that yeah. um, this had been during, like, you know, one of those periods of Polish immigration during the uh, during the kind of Wild West period, and that, you know, yeah, they, they eked out a really difficult living and never really, you know, the, the money they yeah. had got them to a destination they could land, but it didn't, wasn't able to keep them thriving in that place. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's possibly lost it through uh, stock market crash in the 20s. It's possible. Anything could have happened. Anything could have happened to result to, 
to create the end result where uh, Lenny grew up on public assistance. Right. Which is what we find out. Yep. He grew up poor and his only toy was sauerkrauts. And, uh, yeah, that could be a number of things could have caused that to happen. Anything from uh, his parents' dysfunctional marriage to uh, the grandparents having lost all the money. But his grandfather seems to be proud of their heritage because all the stories about this come down to plenty from him. Hmm. So, uh, it's interesting if you really probe and think about it. Definitely. But, and it but, just, yeah, but. I was just going to say, I mean, you know, it, it is, it, it does make one wonder, how does one go from fresh plucked grapes to rubber grapes? <laughs> they're very chewy, though. I just love, he's just saying they're eating them. And you can't taste <laughs> the difference. It's like. Right. Uh, either they must have been scented or he just. Is that nervous, or he just will eat anything? The multiple well, he is, multiple answers to the question exist when it comes to the He is trying to ask her out, though. So I mean, yeah. there's definitely you know, yeah. it, this, this ner- nerves would definitely do that. Yeah, yeah. He has a beautiful line here, a perfect line. You're pretty, you're smart, and you happen to be the classiest girl I know. I mean. And Laverne melts at that. And even Shirley is shipping it. Shirley never ships it. Shirley is like, <laughs> yeah, go, go, go. Do it, do it, do it, go. And mm-hmm. she's never, ever, ever like that when it comes to Lenny doing anything else around Laverne. Ever, 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 ever. My note, when it comes to that line, right after that line, I wrote, marry him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, love that's what anyone would do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marry him. Uh, but it's well established here that it's not just that Lenny is attracted to Laverne. He likes her for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and this kind of establishes it. Even though they go to the ball kind of buddy-buddy, there's also a lot of little romantic underpinnings that hint Mm-hmm. But this is kind of a little Cinderella moment for both of them. Mm-hmm. Both get to go ball together and class up and become these folks that they don't normally get to be in life. Yep. In their workaday worlds. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's it's a beautiful little like I think because of the fact that they know they have each other in that moment is what makes it kind of that ro- yeah. romantic. What is it? Uh, romantic platonic, you know, sort of. Yeah. line blur because it's because yeah. there's you know I mean I, I love you know they're supportive of each other with their different moments and like how um well I mean think of like you know the uh as goofy as it is you know she uh she sits on top of him or covers him while he goes to 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 look underneath the couch yeah 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 she literally sits on top of him and his legs are projecting out from underneath the skirt and I get that the joke is supposed to be a be that it looks like she's got her legs on backwards and she has very long legs but if you think a little bit the smut will just bubble up like crude from the surface of the <laughs> earth yep it's like ah oh, i see you girls i see what you're doing i see what you're writing the uh the extras responses to it are, are fantastic oh yeah oh yeah we got a lot of great extras in this episode mm-hmm. 
And they successfully played snobbish royalty with Panache. Yep. Yes. It's really fun to watch them. Sadly, I couldn't find the cast casting listing for who played the uh, the Duke. Yeah, which is weird. He doesn't get billed. Mm-hmm. He's, and he has lines. Yeah. And a dance. It's a dance with, dance with Penny Marshall. Yeah. And he had actual dialogue. It's just like the accreditation in the credits of Laverne Shirley tends to be a little spotty. I don't know why. Because you'd think people who had dialogue every time would be reliably billed, and they're not. I don't know what was happening in the union or what was happening with ABC, what was mm-hmm. happening behind the scenes uh, in the, the uh, AV departments, but they would never, ever, 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 ever be correctly billed starting through, like, ooh, somewhere around season two. There are a number of notable extras with actual dialogue who should be billed and don't get billed, and I don't know what the heck's going on when it comes to that, but whoever's responsible for editing or yeah, yeah, it's, it's strange. Going. Yeah, I mean, even for these episodes we've been, you know, yeah. we've been covering so far, I've I've had in a couple of cases to have to look up, you know, uncredited, you know, I'll see them listed as uncredited. We've had to go yeah. through uh, Wikipedia yes. in a couple of cases, um, I think at least once or twice, right? We've had to go to Wikipedia for some extra information for like, I think for wow. writing credits in particular. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a trip. But in any case, though, yeah, I mean, the, the actors are good. Yeah. Those that little bit players are great. Um I, there's not a heck of a lot yeah. to, to mention about them in terms of yes. their performance. I mean, I I did like Evelyn was you know yes. wonderfully snooty, and uh, the only yeah Patricia uh, Stitt the Stitch or Stick is uh, the actor's name, and um, she did three more roles after this. She had she had two episodes of Battlestar Galactica oh. and um, one episode of Too Close for Comfort 1980, which is uncredited. And then she she went ahead and just was like, all right, I'm done. She had done other stuff throughout the uh, the late sixties and through the seventies, but well, that's right. She was the one that was in L- Linda Lovelace for president. Yes. Uh. Oh God. Well, everyone was in that. Mickey Dolenz was in that. <laughs> oh God. Wow. Gosh. Wow. I'll I'll look I'll look that up later. Wait, no, don't take that out of contest. I'm not oh, looking up a Linda Lovelace movie right now. Okay, never mind. No, okay, moving on. Back on back on track. We'll back press on track. The wrong button and they'll be moaning anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Anyway. Uh, the um but yeah, no, there's there's uh there's there's some wonderful the thing I really enjoy about this also is that the stuff with Laverne and Lenny in this yes. I love that they're very much on the same team in this episode. Yes. I think that's why, you know, cover calling this ship Capnip, I think is is a great, you yeah. know, explanation is one of the reasons why I think it happens that way yeah. is because they like even when Lenny does something perhaps a little crass, yeah. it's or I guess or I should say uncouth, you know, yeah. uncouth. Yes. She looks at him like more like, oh no, thanks. You yeah. know, she takes she turns down an offer, but she doesn't feel disgusted by it. Yeah, like the yeah. olives on his fingers. Yeah, you know? she's it's like, hey, she's got two two fingers to choose from, but she's like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she pats him. She pats him dry after he takes that face full of punch, even though she's mm-hmm. kind of scolding him for throwing the punch back. Uh, she's very, 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 very tolerant of him, like, sitting there with the shrimp tail hanging out of his mouth. She looks at him and says, he's quite a guy, isn't he? Which is a huge leap from he's her only friend back in season one. So she's like, yep. she looks at him almost in an admiring light in this episode. 
which is very interesting. All the understanding of, uh, you know, the, the, the heritage of his birth definitely changes little things. And, and, you know, the fact that he, he, you know, even, cause I think it's even the line, if you want to throw in a little Royal Royale, do, do, it won't break his heart. It comes from squiggy. That, that, that doesn't come from, from Lenny. But look what he does with his hips. <laughs> Squeaky says that. I saw that little, little arch. I, I didn't that. catch that. Okay. Look, look. But my uh, the point is, is though, is that uh, <laughs> my point is that she knows that Lenny wants her to be there yeah. for yeah. not for the intent of sex. It's yeah. the idea that he yeah. wants her to be there because I think he's he's sort of nervous about it. Yeah. He's a little nervous about going. He doesn't want to go alone. Yeah. And the only person he can think of as a date to take with him, you know, yeah. the, the, for him, what would be the bell of the ball would be her. Yeah, She is the girl that he admires a lot. And plus, she's not scary. Yeah. Other girls can be scary to him. Uh, there is an entire scene in Sing 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 where he's attracted to a girl that he can't get words out. Ah. He just kind of collapses over. He failed to get words out. Uh, with Laverne, that never happens with him. Mm. He's just like it's a combination of casual casualty casualness. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm doing the jewel thing. It's a combination <laughs> of casualness and of strong feelings. That's what I'll term it. That's what I'll say. Yeah, that's no, good. Also, I love that you you mentioned the jewel thing because I remember that interview. <laughs> oh man! How dare you say that? I'm smug. Oh my god! Uh, and anyway, anyway, uh, anyway, it's not what casually means. <laughs> it's like someone gets their arm blown yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway. speaking speaking of Pratt Falls, though, uh, yes. I. You know, the physical comedy bits in this, the timing for the little gags are great. Um, You know, for everything from, you know, the bits with the bird, um, the splashes, the uh, the the actual big fall. I love the moment when she sits down for the first time with the dress and the crinoline, you know, or the crinoline, you know, wireframe is is all puffed up. So it just goes and goes up, up and uh, all that's hilarious and 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 precious. And oh, gosh. And she's wearing bloomers underneath. She actually wore Lizzie Borden's underwear to the yeah. ball, which is this is such a memorable moment that it ends up in the season eight opening credits. Oh my gosh! Wow. So that ends up in there. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that the two of them are just—they're trying their hardest. They're trying their hardest to fit in. Her big concern is not to embarrass him in front of all these royalties. All these, all these raw people. And that's her big concern. Because after that accident happens where she trips over that dumbass who bent over mm-hmm. and then goes cartwheeling down the ramp and ends up with a punch all over her, is to apologize to Lenny. Mm-hmm. Which is something she will rarely, if ever, do. She does actually does, she does apologize to them a few more times in this show. But... Uh, but she's so concerned about putting on a good first impression. And he's trying for her, too. He cares about her having a good time. He cares. He's proud of her. He directly says he's proud of her mm-hmm. before he kisses her on the cheek. Mm-hmm. And, yes, he kisses, and the way she looks at him after he kisses her on the cheek. I mean, 
a lot. Yeah. And I, and I love how he's right there with her. You know, he feels so bad for her, you know, he's like, keep going. Maybe they won't, yeah. maybe they didn't notice. And, yeah. and, it, yeah. and it's, and it's like to, to, to him is like, you know, it, okay. So you fell, I fall all the time. What do I care? Yeah. 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 Which is exactly what Shirley tells her. Right. That, that if you happen to pizza bowl, you wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. You care because these people, these people aren't better than you. It's the whole point. Yep. They're just people like everybody else, and let them be rude. That's your dignity, no matter what. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Dignity and steam. Steam. <laughs> Pride, grace, and dignity. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. And you know, and, and some of them wanted to laugh at her, and I was hoping that she would unlock her psychic yeah. powers and murder them all. But, um... <laughs> oh, God. Just imagine that crossover. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that, you yeah. know, it turns out that she's able to, uh, Make the punch bowl, you know, summon a portal to something and suddenly you get like, I don't know, you get uh, tree roots or, uh, you know, fruit tree. Yeah, fruit trees, a bunch of fruit punch, right? You have a bunch of seeds grow out of it and all these vines trap everyone in there. And yeah, anyway. And then they're strangled death by a bunch of branches. Fruit punch, fruit punch branches. Goodness. Now that we've thoroughly discuss that part of the episode we have to talk about Shirley and Squiggy Frank being stuck in the pizza bowl's basements which is completely random but wonderful <laughs> it's wonderful it's perfect you can yeah. almost smell the body smoldering away in the mummy's tomb <laughs> the fact that Squiggy thinks of cannibalism first of all the first thing he thinks of is mummies and cannibals all kinds of horrible things happening instead of the fact that he is alone, well, basically alone, in the basement of the pizza bowl with Cheryl. Uh, I guess Frank being there kind of puts a damper on everything. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Frank Frank yeah. would not let anything yeah. happen. But mind, yeah. but mind you, oh, my, yeah. my note about him thinking is like, cannibalism. This isn't a Diodata movie. You stop that. <laughs> oh, God. Everything about the way David takes his little tiny bit in this episode just most of it is great. Uh, I love how hard Shirley tries to escape while Frank and Squiggy just give up. And they sit there and start drinking wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sitting at a table, waiting for Mary, I presumably Mary the waitress to rescue them. I don't know who the heck's going to rescue them. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows they're down there. <laughs> exactly. But I do love the line, uh, Shirley, you're acting like a fool. Now take it from one who knows. Yeah, it's a great dialogue. It's a great dialogue. I love that dialogue. Yep. Oh my goodness. I love that Shirley's determination helps her find a way out. And then she tries to get a uh, boost through the bars and then goes right in that box. Yep. The way she just goes right in the box is hilarious. Yep. Buried alive like the mummy mm. in the tomb. I'll show you a mummy. The way she tries to strangle him. That's always that's always that's always fun. I mean, hey, you know, yeah. So I mean, hey, I guess if if Frank wasn't there, they'd have terrific hate sex in a box. There you go. Yep. Like the mummy in the porn movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's the XX rated version of that. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, but then anyway, this. Allows for Shirley to be there during one of the most important moments of Laverne's life. 
Yes. And she gets to be there, even though she's not dressed up. She wanted to get dressed up, but she ran out of time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She comes to the ball in her slacks and her jacket and gets to be there and gets to watch. And of course, she gets humiliated. Then also, she gets to witness her triumph. She gets to witness Laverne's big triumph, which is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Now, the tears, I mean, she's got tears in her eyes at that point, if I'm right. Yeah. 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 She reaches for the handkerchief in uh, Lenny's pocket to wipe her eyes. That's just right. Keep coming, and coming, coming, because he's wearing a magician's tuxedo. Right. Uh, oh. It's a be- yeah. There was a lot of beautiful little moments. There's so much. I I love that. Yeah. Laverne, of all people, you know, because that's the thing, right? Is is we've spent so much time with Shirley trying to win this dream, and yet it's yeah. Laverne, the cynic, who actually gets to live the fairy tale. You know, she gets to be she yeah. gets to be a real Cinderella up there. You know, she's yeah. the the yeah, yeah the the, yeah. the bell of the ball or the Bella of the ball, as I think you yeah. commented to me earlier today. Yes, 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 yes. She gets to actually blossom. She blossoms and gets to live a fairy tale. And this is someone who never really believes in fairy tales or insists she never believes in fairy tales, even though as she told Shirley earlier. I dream, I just don't talk about it. Right. And this is kind of a dream, you know? Yeah, you know? She gets to dance with the Duke. It's beautiful. And it's beautifully done. Uh, I love that we get all this, uh, the all this princess imagery, and you get all of this beautiful fairy tale imagery. And in the end, you get a great moral. Mm-hmm. The moral, just like a fairy tale, comes out in the end. And that moral is to just be you. Do not be afraid of what other people say. Do not be afraid of embarrassing yourself because you can always get back up again. Mm-hmm. You should be rewarded for your dignity and your grace and your bravery. Yes. And thus so she is. Get the moment to dance your little feet off. Dance your little feet off the duke. Ah. I love, I love everything about this episode. Yeah. I love that they make that Marx Brothers reference uh, when everybody bows to Lenny and he goes, well, I'm good, but excellent. <laughs> I'm good, but excellent. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, yeah. I know I'm good, but excellent. <laughs> uh, that was beautiful. That's one of my favorite lines in those rip-off. But, oh, my goodness. Uh I love Shirley's pep talk to Laverne when they're in the bathroom trying to wipe her down from all the punch. Yep. And Shirley's just very calm and practical about the whole situation. After telling off all those rich people, mm-hmm. she did tell them off. I love, I mm-hmm. love that um, Lenny runs in to physically support her and help her up and take care of her and check on her while Shirley's going to kick the butts of everybody else in the room. They're, they become a three-pronged team. In that moment, and it's like really good. And they both come out to defend her, and I really thought that was nice. Mm-hmm. I really love that. And that's you know, and that comes back also to what we've discussed so much before is that so much of the th- core theme of the show is about class and about how, yes. at the end of the day, class means nothing. We're just people, yeah. and these these li- these yeah. labels of you know, it's like a humiliating thing is a humiliating thing. Whether you're a, a duke, a duchess, a peasant, you know, the poop smith. It, it is what it is. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so here, I mean, getting to see Shirley stand up for herself in front of them. And especially cause these are, yes. these are people, I mean, like there's that moment, you know, where the, the older woman says, God, what was it? If we were back in the old country, 
um, I would have you shot, you know. Um, I have your head. Have your head. That's it. Thank you. Um, you look pretty stupid with my head. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I forgot to mark that one down. I love that line. But the uh, the point, you know, is is that you know they they've now they're in a new world. They are in the, they're not in the old country yes. and that this, this is a, le- that I think one of the goals that Gary Marshall had with his, his shows was to show, was to showcase and bring forth the ideal that America levels the playing field, that all people can be equal and all people can yeah. rise. I mean, that's at least the, that's yes. the idealism of the show. And this is another example of, of yeah. them trying to shoot for that. Yeah. 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 Ultimately, it is about how the character of a person is what matters. Right. That was his message here. Character is what matters. I yeah. just love how they managed to put this little, this, this little island of a fairy tale right in the middle of this season, right towards the end. Uh, the next episode is also a fantasy episode, but it's really broad and burlesque mm. compared to this one. And this one is just a very, like, almost quiet morality play where everyone's on their best behavior and it's very nice. And it's very sweet. The very sweet episode. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the sweetest episodes in the show's camp, yep. I think. Yeah, it's incredibly, uh, it's incredibly fluffy, which is nice. Yeah. And, and, yes. and you know, I, I yes. often comment if my mom liked the episode or not. And this one, she really liked this one. She, yeah. Uh, I wish she would love this one. Yep. Yeah. So what'd she say about it? Um, no major comments. She did get a big laugh after the uh, over the tumble, the fall, the roll, the uh, the fall. She got a big laugh, and you know, so like, oh no, and so much sympathy. But she really liked um, Shirley giving the pep talk, and uh, yes. and the bird. She liked the bird. But yeah, I love the whole secondary storyline about the bird. It's funny. Mm-hmm. When they discovered that this in this in this magician's tuxedo, Squiggy's Uncle Elliot is actually keeping a live bird mm-hmm. somehow, and they have he has to carry it with him all the way through the ball, all the way through the ball with him, and get his fingertip nipped, mm-hmm. and <laughs> try to squash it and uh, keep track of it. Manage to finally find it. Loses track of it and finds it again. It's funny. It's a funny little addition. Mm-hmm. A little tiny subplot. And, and it's it's a cute little thing that like, I guess what it like if this was a movie, I would say you know, he 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 gains the uh, the the bird at the early on, and then at the end, it's like he 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 gives back the 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 costume, but he keeps the bird. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can actually picture that. That would be adorable. Yeah. Hey. If Squiggy can keep his moths, he should have a nice little bird. Yeah. Of dogs, there you so. go. I mean, it might eat a couple of the moths, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's going to make sacrifices, what you say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I, I could also see the bird probably trying to take a, a, a nip or tuck at um, the poor little Jeffrey on the wall. Oh, yeah. Poor Jeffrey. Jeffrey can't feel it. Jeffrey <laughs> can't feel it, so it won't matter. Well, he'll feel it in his soul. His tiny lizardy soul. No. Tiny little soul. How dare you? He's he's got feelings. He's a perfectly feeling. He's, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's a precious, precious little lizard boy. Anyway. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I 
was going to make mention of the fact when we get that exterior shot of the pizza bowl, apparently they offer 24-hour bowling now. Yeah, and I did notice that. And Frank lives over the pizza bowl. I'm just trying to imagine how he works that out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, do you, like, call in? It's like, it's like, ah, I just got into town. It's two in the morning. I want to do a couple of rolls of all and it's going and he comes in. I mean, I can just imagine him being so angry that, like, yeah. it says 24 hours, but it's not really. Yeah. So, like, it comes down to the pizza bowl, and it's like, there's your shoes. Get your shoes. Get your ball. Enjoy your lines. Will your ball and get out? Will your ball and get out? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine him, like, tolerating that. Like, uh like he would want some privacy. A, B, he locks up, and we establish that he locks up and closes down at night. Mm-hmm. And because the girls spend time there after hours, etc. And D, C, can you imagine the noise? This is the, the level of noise would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 24 hour bowling, the plonk and the sound of there'll be racks returning the pins where they belong. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Man. Uh, Man, I was gonna say, Uncle Elliot. We know he has more contemporary dresses in his collection. It's, it's a, I know that, that for mm. humor's sake, that's how she ends up with Lizzie Borden's dress. We know he has more modern outfits, so he could have loaned her something like stuff that they loaned her for the uh, the, the, the um, society party, right? Only it turned out to be stolen. Right. But he could have loaned her something more contemporary instead. Yeah, obviously that's it there for the sight gag. That's obviously there for the joke and the fish out of water feelings, but yeah, canonically Uncle Elliot should have known better. Right. Well, my feeling about that is if she chose what outfit it was, it was kind of like the Kaylee Fry in Shindig episode of Firefly, where oh, yeah. she picks the yeah. she picks a poofy dress that looks pretty and she likes it. And it's blue. She looks great yeah. in blue. She looks Absolutely adorably yeah. precious in the dress. And so, I don't know. It's, yeah. it, I wonder if that was the case. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, she might have picked it herself. That's a good point. That's actually a really good point. They never specify at all. And oh. for all we know, it could have been Squiggy that picked them. Yeah, true. True. Never let Andrew Squigman pick your clothing out. Mm-hmm. Don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, if he picked mine out, he'd probably like look at my size and my build and say like, "Oh yeah, you're you're kind of a big guy. And you're dark skinned. Uh, here's a grass skirt." It's like, "Oh god, damn it, Squiggy!" Oh, Lord. oh god. Well, you can pretend you're Maui from Moana. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've I've actually used that. You're welcome, Jeff. And there are people that responded with like, "Yeah, Chris, I th- I can actually picture you doing and saying that, <laughs> looking <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that." Oh god. Uh, you've seen my long hair. Okay. You've seen the hair when it's yes, long. Yeah. Yes, I have. Yes. Anyway, but to uh, I did have a couple. One last little thing for me, at least, to to wrap up yes. my my thoughts, at least my points out. I also really admire the Duke character because I like yes. I love the delivery of the line that he says to Laverne when he invites her to dance, and he says, "Only a woman of class would come back out here again." And he says it yes. with such respectful dignity. And yes. I I really what I guess what I liked about that is that in, in true fairy tale moment, she's accepted into that world and and because you know, he's basically the host of the party. He's the guy who gets to say what goes. 
is the Fonz yeah. of the debutantes. Yes. And uh, which would have been awesome if, you know, I mean, by this time, Fonz hadn't been in the show for quite a while, but it would have been awesome if like he had yeah. snapped his fingers, you know? Uh, yeah. But I love that touch and I love that moment. And it's, and it's, it's great. I think it's, and, you know, seeing Shirley dream for her, you know, in that moment and seeing that and seeing Shirley's dream for Laverne getting it in some respects to come true. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really, yeah. it's really wonderful. It's a very poignant, ep- it's a very feelsy poignant episode. And, and it, it kind of, it always kind of gets me a little bit whenever I watch it. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. As I repeatedly said, it is a perfect episode. My last note for this episode was, "They're so proud. I'm so proud." Aww. They're so proud. I'm so proud. And that's how you end up feeling for Laverne. Most people will by the end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's time to rank this baby. Yeah, so so I ranked the last couple of them, I think, first. How about you? What, what did you think? It's 10. I'm just going to give yeah. it a 10. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> perfect writing, perfect, uh, perfect writing, perfect direction, really beautifully done. Uh, the acting is fabulous. On a perfectly shallow note, Michael McKean in a beautiful tux. <laughs> just to be shallow for <laughs> five seconds. And... Um, Absolutely everything about it works. Uh, yes, it's filled with ship bait. If you are into Laverne and Lenny at all, you will love this episode. I was just say that flat out. Mm-hmm. From the cute little cheek kiss, the way he asks her out, to their little toast, when they get their champagne, to the whole skirt over the head thing, to the way he comes and looks after her after she falls over. You will love every little second of that. But I love it for non-chippy reasons, too. I absolutely love the Frank and Shirley and Squiggy scene. It's hilarious. Everything about it is hilarious. Uh, the way they manage to make this fairy tale spring to life is beautiful. So this is a 10. Yeah. Let me go with it. I, th- I think... Um... I think I also, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to find any sort of fault to take even half a point off and I can't find anything. I think this is a 10 for me too. It's, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite episodes of the show. Um, again, like if I was to reboot this work as like a feature film or as a mini series, this would be one of the stories that I would have to put in there. I would, you know, I would insist as a producer or director say, nope, this this portion has to exist because it, it it's it's hilarious. It brings together so many of the themes and ideals of the show. Um, the whole there's a warmth to it. There's a hilarity to it. It's able to make the characters the butt of the joke, but in, in such a way that you still sympathize. You laugh, but you still feel sorry for them. And um, yes. and yet they 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 handle it gracefully. It is it is a wonderful wonderful episode. And uh, and yeah, I I loved it. I loved it a lot. Yeah, yeah. That, I, this is, I think, our second double perfect ten. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well earned. Well earned. Well earned. Well earned. Well earned. Well earned. <laughs> anyway, cool. And I guess if that's everything, uh, thank you again so much, everyone, for joining us for Night After Night. If you would like to know more, please join us at Night After Night Pod on Facebook, Tumblr and YouTube and WordPress. Or if you want to get with us a little more directly, we have a Twitter at night after night PC. 
Uh, you also can find out after night podcast, I think on a lot of these different places, but keep an eye out for us. And um, yeah, we try to do like our mega threads and we try to do, you know, more social stuff. And uh, I mean, we're recording these months and months ahead of time. So we'll see what all is going down when, uh, when this episode goes on up. But in any case, we thank you so much for watching. And um, anyway, I think, I think possibly I can hear the sound strange in space. Lisa, <laughs> what is, what's the next episode beyond? Frank's big mouth causes Laverne to have a nightmare in which she is very old, very virginal, and Eyeball and Lenny for marriage. This is 2001, a comic odyssey. Cool. Well, I guess we'll just have to go well forward and see that in the future. Wait a minute. It's 2020. It was 2000. <laughs> 2001 was like 19 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the episode of Tomorrow. <laughs> oh boy okay well at least we have an idea of how to open that one all right we'll see you guys folks <laughs> that's the duke that brung you folks bye bye bye